Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Do I have you now? You have me now, Balky. Excellent. All right. Glad to hear it. Uh, how are um, we're in December? This is our first show of December of 2021. Yeah. Um, how are your teams looking as we are, are coming into the stretch run of the fantasy football season? You know what? I got a couple that snuck into the playoffs with a, with a fourth seed, and I got one or two that that um, were moving out. I've got a top 100 team uh, that co-owned with my great friend Jeff Joaquin in the main event and most of my other teams are doing well in the uh, uh, that are doing well are in the football guys and, and I'm just uh, very excited uh, about this week and hopefully uh, moving through the head-to-head process of the playoffs and, and getting some teams into the championships is a very very exciting time of the year yeah, it definitely is. And um, we got Kentucky League Championships this weekend. We have uh, FFPC and Football Guys Playoffs going on. And then in a couple of weeks, the, the sprint will be on for all of them as we, uh, all, all three of those big contests will give away some pretty hefty grand prizes uh, coming up. And we're going to help you get there, hopefully, uh, tonight. We're going to talk yeah. about uh, Taysom Hill's viability as a championship round starter. We're going to talk about whether Tyler Higby should be benched this weekend in favor of another, another guy named Tyler. And then Mark Fisher is actually going to uh, drop by to talk about his fifth-place Football Guys Players Championship regular season finisher, as well as why he's rostering four defenses on that squad, and much, much, much more. Shout-out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. And, of course, check out Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where to reach us if you want to chime in and talk with us. Please give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OBA. Fantasy Football at gmail.com is where to reach us uh, via email. If you have any questions, get them into us tonight, uh, right now. We're going to try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets that come up, and all the emails we get in fantasy feedback later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend Bryce and our producer and mutual friend Rob former FFPC main event league winner and varsity league winner Larry Weinauer was on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown with yours truly this week. Check that out, rotoviz.com slash podcast. A lot of good stuff for Larry in there, who's also sitting at 20th place overall currently in the FFPC main event. And, Farrell, big news. I just saw this. I thought it was going to be this show. It happened actually last show. We have now topped 800,000 listens uh, in, in show history. That streams, downloads, everything. Over 800,000 times have people listened to this program. Now, you've been a big part of it, man. So I, I'm giving you congratulations because this is a huge milestone for the show. Thank you, Balky. That is a fantastic number. And, you know, we're not competing against any other show. We're just kind of competing with ourselves. We want to get a little better every week and, and, and help more players enjoy fantasy football and maybe end up in the winner's circle. And speaking of the winner's circle, Balky, well, I'm going to throw that question back at you. But before I ask that question, i got to tell you, it's so great listening to you talk. You go from second to fifth gear. You don't grind <laughs> the gears. You go right into it. It's downhill all the way. It's very impressive. It rumbles like a Ferrari. 
much like your teams are running through the KFFSC, why don't you tell us a little bit about your success? Because you're having a great deal of it. Yeah, I think the only ancillary league that I played in in KFFSC that I missed the playoffs in um, was the one where I only had one bidding dollar left uh, to start the season. I think I, I made it um, in, in all my dynasty leagues there, made it uh, in the auction, the, the millionaire or the, um, the checkered flag, as well as the run to daylight, two of those uh, in each of those contests in the playoffs. I had three main event teams make the playoffs. I, I still have one fighting for a league championship this week. Um, we'll see what happens. So it's an exciting time and uh, definitely got some uh, contenders there and might be able to sneak in a couple of wild cards into the Kentucky uh, main event championship round as well. That will be uh, seen uh, uh, shortly, hopefully. Um, I do want to throw it out to a, a FFPC slash KFFSC uh, player who's hanging out in the chat room right now. Now, it's Hudson Kern-Reeve, and the professor, yeah. Says, yeah. he is supervising his kids and their friends tonight, so he'll be in or out. He's in to ask this question right away. He's got a tight end question on the FFPC, Farrell. Pat Fryermuth, uh, who is going to be at home against the Baltimore Ravens, or Foster Moreau from your Las Vegas Raiders, who are also at home taking on the WFT. Farrell, you have any insight on which tight end you would rather play this weekend? That's why the professor's a champion, because he's got decisions like this. Whichever one he makes, he can't go wrong. Uh, Foster's going to have a good game. Uh, against the Washington Football Club, I would suspect, with, with Out Waller, naturally, that's why he's playing, but with all the need to have a short, successful passing game, they'll have it. But you take Fryermuth. Fryermuth has ended up uh, being the number one red zone target for Pittsburgh, and he is certainly – in a situation that um, the, that he's developed that relationship with the quarterback, he gets open and he makes the tough catches. It's hard to believe when you watch that player that he's a rookie. So I don't know what I, to tell Hud. Uh, other than to yeah. play him, he should figure out a way to play them both. That's what he should yeah. do. And based on yeah. all the late injuries that are being announced, it might be a necessity. Yeah, and, and, and I think you're totally right um, when, uh, when we look at this situation right now. I think um, as far as if it were, were to come down to me, um, it seems like Fryermuth is totally out of the concussion protocol. He was yes. carrying no injury designation, so we're looking like he's, he's going to be good to go. I think I'd lean that way. I think, I think you're right. I think they both have good games. But Fryermuth seems to be the guy that Roethlisberger is looking uh, in the red zone and in the end zone. And, you know, when you have arm strength that's being sapped like Ben Roethlisberger's is, I think that's a huge benefit to guys like Fryermuth and Deontay Johnson at the expense, unfortunately, of uh, Chase Claypool. Um, so I, I, I think I would go with Fryermuth there. And we'll have to um, go with uh, – we'll, we'll get Kern's roster here. and Maybe there's, we can finagle a way to get both those tight ends in his line. That's what needs to um, happen. That's what needs yeah. Let's go into uh, talk about the New England Patriots to lead thing, uh, things off here on the Fantasy Flash, Farrell. Matthew Fairbairn from The Athletics says that the Patriots should not be afraid to run the ball against Buffalo. Now, the rush defense, the stats are, are decent, actually, for, for Buffalo. Only five teams allow fewer rushing yards per game, and six teams have seen fewer rushing attempts against them in 2021. The Bills, however, when you, they go up against the elite run defenses, uh, it's not been good. Derrick Henry, 143 yards and three touchdowns in week six. Jonathan Taylor, 185 rushing yards and five total touchdowns in week 11. You have an offensive line in New England that's getting to back to full health, and you have a one-two punch now with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Each of them have 21 carries over the team's last two, two games, and you also have Brandon Bolden, who's mixing it up uh, on third downs here, Farrell. But I, I, for me, I, I think Damian Harris makes for a very nice flex this week. What about Ramondre Stevenson for you? Is, is that a guy that you can convince yourself to being started in some football guys' leagues and some FFC, FFPC main event leagues? It takes a little convincing to me, and you teased it, Balky. We talked about this offensive line a few weeks ago. You're right. They are back to full health because Trent Brown has returned, and they, they sent a very, very good player to the uh, bench, Michael Owenew. Uh, is coming off the bench, and he's playing about 30 plays at, at three different offensive line positions. And this is the same thing. 
you say there's no Jonathan Taylor on the New England Patriots, there doesn't have to be. Because what the Patriots have in common with the Colts is a superior offensive line that's playing as one. You got five guys there, they're playing as a unit, and they're playing as one very substantial uh, football entity that are opening up these opportunities for these running backs to take advantage of. Definitely look at these running backs for this game. I have this. Uh, uh, it's a big, big weekend in the Canadian Football League for me in the, in the world of, of, of uh, uh, player agenting, which, which I do there. And, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, fact that in Hamilton, Ontario, which is 70 miles as the crow flies up from Buffalo, a 90% chance of rain, wind gusts 20 to 30 miles per hour. Uh, it's, it's Bills have a terrific defensive line, Oliver Hughes, um, uh, Addison, excellent ball players on both sides of the ball, and that's where this game is going to be won. And and I believe that uh, whatever has to be done at the quarterback position, uh, these guys will be successful, uh, but they're going to depend on a run game to deliver the game for them. And, and I think all of us would agree uh, the Patriots have the better rushing attack. Carol, do I have you back now? Oh, I am back. And I'm still okay, babbling on. And I, I'm still babbling on about the New England offensive line. You know, I didn't miss a beat. I just kept talking. Well, let me ask you, I, uh, Odell, Odell Beckham um, and oh, uh, Van Jefferson. Yeah, let's, okay. well, let's, I just, he's battling a, an issue right now um, with his hip and his back. And I'm just kind of wondering how you feel about not only trotting him out there. It sounds like Sean McVay said he was, going to be surprised if he didn't play this week so I think he's going to be out there but the fact that he's battling with this injury um is it something that would make you like Van Jefferson in your starting lineups a little bit more uh, with knowing that Beckham is battered yeah yeah it's uh I don't own Beckham anywhere so I don't have to make that decision those of you that are wrestling with it understand that uh his mind tends to go first, and his body goes second. When his body is compromised, I don't think he's an. I don't think he's a part of this offense that's going to make a huge difference. He flashed, he scored, he did some things. I don't think that it is going to be consistent as we move on. Van Jefferson has been consistent, consistent in that he's caught three or four balls on the targets that he's gotten. He's dropped some balls. He's run some incorrect routes. He's playing like a young player does. But one of these days, he's going to have a breakout game, especially if someone does uh, cause a, a, a situation where Cup does not have his normal game. I don't know who's going to do that, but if somebody's going to have to if, if, uh, if you're going to keep the Rams passing game out of the end zone. So, yes, I really like Jefferson here in this game. Um, we have our uh, guest coming up, uh, Mark Fisher, the fifth-place finisher in the uh, Football Guys Players' Championship regular season, coming up in just one minute. Before we get to him, I do want to bring up one other thing, and that is Taysom Hill's performance in Thursday Night Football. 19 out of 41, 264 yards, two touchdowns, and four picks. He also got 101 yards on the ground. Um, I, I guess you look at um, Taysom Hill here, Farrell, as a potential championship winner or a potential mm. championship derailer, right, with all the interceptions. Mm-hmm. But the dude threw two of them. He got uh, 101 yards on the ground. What about him as a potential championship round starter here as we go forward and, and, and look at what he could do and his potential uh, to bring home the title to, uh, to many teams around the country? I root for him. I like him. Mallet finger is an awful sounding injury, and that's what he's suffering from. Uh, you can't be successful uh, throwing the ball. That's what led to his interceptions. He doesn't see the field that well. You can't see the field when you're moving around like that. Um, it's interesting. Uh, Lamar Jackson throws four interceptions. Taysom Hill throws four interceptions. One of them actually managed to win, and as you would expect, uh, New Orleans dropped the game to Dallas based on those turnovers. Uh, he throws some good balls. He does some nice things. I think there's better answers at quarterback uh, down the way to a championship. He's not going to run for 100 yards against uh, every team that he plays. His body won't handle it, and uh, probably the uh, defenders 
um, won't be able to combine with uh, with a pass rush and a pass coverage because the Dallas defense was absolutely fantastic in that game. That is our fantasy flash for this week, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back with more news and notes around the NFL coming up on next week's program. Right now, I do want to get to our guest tonight. He uh, started playing fantasy football a decade ago. His brother is, is the one who introduced him to the game. This is his third year playing in the FFPC. Says he attributes his success to the countless hours his wife watched his kids so he could do research. He is a native of Virginia Beach, Virginia. Currently resides in L.A. with his wife and two kids. Also residing in both fifth place in the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship, as well as on these very same airwaves tonight. Please welcome into the program, Mr. Mark Fisher. Mark, thanks so much for joining us this evening, man. Who's Mark? Hi, yeah, can you hear me? Yep, you're coming ah. through loud and clear, man. Uh, fifth place in the regular season. I know we, we still got you know several weeks to go. You got to feel real good about that team, though, coming into uh, December, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I you know I just want to thank you thank you guys for having me on. I I, uh, I appreciate the invite. Excited to be here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm surprised that I got to fifth place. I you know I've have been playing this like you said for a couple of years. Uh, and this is definitely the the highlight so far. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens as, as we move towards those, those last couple of weeks. Does your, de- does your brother have any stake in, in any of these teams, or are these just solely owned by you, Mark? Oh, yeah, they're, just, they're solely mo- me. Um, he does a lot of other stuff, uh, but not, not, not joining in on, on the high stakes. That's, that's just for Got me. it. Okay, so listen, we let, we're going to get into uh, fantasy football because we definitely want to pick your brain. Congrats on getting up to fifth place in the FPC right now, but when you are not researching, when you are not dominating the Football Guys Players Championship, what are you doing to spend your time out in Los Angeles for a living? Yeah, so I, uh, I am actually a uh, healthcare administrator uh, for Kaiser Permanente, uh, the large health system out here in California, uh, as well as some other states, uh, including D.C. Um, and, you know, so, so in that uh, arena, I oversee all of our anesthesia services. Um, so any type of the anesthesia that we give at one of our local hospitals here, uh, that is the job that I do is make sure that uh, everything runs smoothly. I've uh, been here for about nine years, and uh, prior to that, I worked as an attorney uh, in Washington, D.C. before I moved out here to California. Good job, man. That's that's an important important job in the world because if you're not successful, it doesn't matter if anything else is. So that's that's great, man. <laughs> An attorney that's now working in the medical field. I've, yeah. you know, I've got a lineup question for you, but you said something to me that is very interesting. Your wife spent time with the kids where you could spend your time researching. I find that a lot of people come to fantasy football. They realize the level of competition. They become researchers one, two, three years in. Did you come into high stakes fantasy football with the idea that you were uh, more than ready, more than well prepared? Did you know that you had to be that? Sounds like from your background, you sound like a very well organized guy. That the answer just might be to the affirmative. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think uh, partly. I think you know, I. I have been playing in, in these other leagues um, for a while. I, I think uh, I was looking for additional competition, I would say. Uh, but when I came into high stakes the first year, um, didn't know, didn't really research uh, tight end premium. Mm. So I got uh, handed to me uh, in no short order for the first year, uh, <laughs> but quickly decided that that meant that I had to go back and, and really look at it. Um, and so I think, I think last year and then, and then this year is when I really – kind of turned up the heat in terms of research. So I uh, didn't plan on actually doing it. I thought, you know, hey, I, I can, you know, be this this casual uh, fantasy football player mm-hmm. who just happens to be lucky. Um, and then I realized quickly that in, in a high-stakes league uh, with this many people, you really have to uh, get down to the nitty-gritty and, and try to find those those sweet points that other people may, may miss. So. Those competitive instincts took over, and I, I, I love that. I, you know, looking at your roster, and, and there's a trend, and I know that that you were aware of tight end premium in the FFPC. 
you just don't know what that looks like until you sit down and draft. And and, and mm-hmm. you become aware of it very quickly that if you're not prepared to get yours, that most everything is off and gone. One, one of the trends this year uh, that I've heard fantasy players talk about to play in the FFPC is not to have a backup running back as a flex player, to try to have an explosive wide receiver in your flex spots. And we have the dual flex, so I, I suppose we're talking about two. I see that you have one of my favorite players that I have uh, always wanted to have a bigger piece of the pie, a bigger part of the running game. Now, I understand that since we prepared for the show, there's been more information to come out about this player and his availability for the weekend. But the giant killer is uh, Mr. Boston Scott of the Philadelphia Eagles. And five foot six, two hundred pounds, uh, and I, I just love it when he plays. And I always wonder why he doesn't play more. What do you like about this player? And and will you be going forward with him uh, in your lineup at a flex spot as you make this run towards your football guys championship? Yeah, I mean, great question. I think uh, you know you're you're spot on. I think with uh, the feeling on Boston Scott, um, you know, I mean, I mean, look at him last week. He he kind of stepped up and and with Sanders sort of being hurt, um, jumped in there and, and you know, besides that, pretty bad fumble at the end there, uh, had a good day. Mm-hmm. And I think um, you know it, it seems like the the. The coaches like Boston Scott. I mean, I think even even when Sanders wasn't hurt, he was still uh, seeing a good amount of time um, and, and getting some of the touches in. And so, yeah, like you said, you know, this week now uh, hasn't practiced all week. So with that with that illness, um, which is a little bit of a concern, but um, and and with Sanders coming off the injury report, he'll probably get the bulk of the carries. Um, but it is a nice matchup with the Jets, um, and and so. If he does get out there and, and gain well, perhaps gets inactive again, um, which would indicate that he will be sort of the solely backup, um, depending on how, how he looks um, in the morning and what the reports are on him. I think uh, I, I like my chances with him. I, I think he can he can do some even with, even with limited touches from what we've seen um, and, you know, with the passing as well. So I, I I right now I'm going to roll with him until uh, Debo Samuel comes back. Hopefully, uh, not not too long from now. But come on, um, come on back, Debo. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, uh, for now, I'm going to use him as my fill-in unless uh, he's inactive, and then I got to turn to Tyler Conklin from uh, Minnesota to fill that last spot. Mark, um, we don't often see this. I mean, it, I, I've seen, you know, some teams with three defenses before. It's been a while since I've seen someone with four defenses on, on a team, especially a team this high up on the leaderboard. So you're dedicating 20% of your roster essentially to the defenses. You have the Colts, the Cardinals, um, the Dolphins, and the Vikings. Can you tell us a little bit about the rationale of, of why you want all four of those uh, defenses on your team uh, at this point in time at least? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I was looking at, um, you know, coming into this week, uh, pretty much having a lot of my lineup set um, where I'm not, you know, I've passed the buys. Uh, I do have, do have the one injury with Debo Samuel, but for the most part, if he gets back, uh, I'm looking at, at weeks 15, 16, 17 and saying, you know, points are at a premium and um, which we obviously all know. And so where is the one spot where I think, um, I could have used some points, I think, last week. I had, uh, like, I put Chicago in instead of Miami, and Chicago got me three points, oh. and Miami gets 24 on the on the bench. So uh, those 21 points would have been nice. Uh, and, and so it got me thinking, well, am I going to hold on to uh, a player, a, a wide receiver, somebody that I, that I probably won't get into my lineup uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, or, or get somebody like a defense where then I have – uh, the whole week to kind of really look and, and see who I think is going to kind of pop off uh, versus who's not. And so that's where I just looked at, at, at the uh, who, who everybody's playing over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, you need some pretty good defenses there, the Colts and the Cardinals and, and the Dolphins. So uh, I'm going to try to see how that plays out over uh, over the end of the season. So, so see, you're, you're starting Boston Scott maybe – 
You're playing the wrong defenses. Everybody's listening to this and going, so this, I, I do all these things too, but this guy's in fifth place. You know, what has been the key to success? Maybe it is because of what you've done on a waiver wire. And, and I have um, I've picked up one, one of these players frequently myself. I, I didn't have the – I did not have the budget to compete for the other one. But they are, of all things, on the Tennessee Titans. And who thought with the Tennessee Titans, we would be talking about wide receiver Nick Westbrook, Akeen, and uh, running back Dontrell Hilliard, who I, I will remind everyone about Dontrell Hilliard. When he was released from Cleveland, um, at, at the very uh, mid, about this time last year, uh, he was picked up by Houston, and Houston did not hang on to him uh, throughout this year. And we all know what they're doing at the running back position. Hilliard, Westbrook, and Keene, both of them on your roster. Which one excites you? And congratulations for picking up points that perhaps no one else could see. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, obviously with with what happened last week, I I, I lean towards Hilliard. Um, only because it, it, it really shows uh, Tennessee's commitment uh, to the run game. Uh, I, was, I was surprised with them being down uh, against New England to, to see them still uh, putting Hilliard and, and Foreman out there uh, rather than having Tannehill throw. And, and so what I see is, is the potential here. Uh, we obviously saw Hilliard break off that, that great run, but – um, mm-hmm. The week prior, uh, with his uh, his catching ability, it, it's something where I think even if he were to even if he were to continue to be that uh, split carries with Foreman um, to be able to get the, the yardage on the ground, which Tennessee um, obviously was able to do with Henry, and, and then ha- has been able to do uh, now in his absence at, at least a little bit. Um, I would you know continue to, to roll with him. Um, I actually put Westbrook in last week instead of Hilliard again, uh, thinking more along the lines of they're going to be down, it's going to be negative game script, so they're going to have Tannehill throw. And uh, he didn't He didn't actually. I mean, I think he threw 20, 21 times, and they ran the ball 30-something times. So mm-hmm. uh, they definitely leaned heavily on, on the run game uh, despite being down. And so um, <clears throat> I'm glad to have them both, though. I'm glad to have a choice, I think, uh, I mean, there wasn't that much of volume there, but Westbrook was the guy who got the touchdown. Um, he had, you know, the targets, the looks. So uh, while I while I would lean towards Hilliard and, and um, go with that, it, it's nice to have uh, Westbrook as well to, to kind of, as we mentioned, to fill that last spot, uh, you know, when they get back next week between a Boston Scott, a, a Hilliard, and a, and a Westbrook. It's a – it's a choice that I'm that I uh, am, am glad that I have on the teams to kind of make and, and, and see if it, it pays dividends in the end. The fifth place finisher in the regular season of the Football Guys Players Championship 2021 version is Mark Fisher. He joins us on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Seahawks running backs, and maybe it will be a little bit because with Adrian Peterson now signing with the Seahawks, Mark, does this just slam the door? On, on being able to start any Seahawks running back going forward. You know, we know Chris Collins is on IR. He's going to miss the remainder of the season. Alex Collins is, is, is doing next to nothing when he gets the opportunity. DJ Dallas, Travis Homer not really making waves. And now you have Peterson to gum up the works. Is it just best for high-stakes owners to say no to Seattle running backs going forward? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's you know, it's surprising to see what Seattle has become uh, in, in the, the the short time since Wilson's been back. I mean, um, like you mentioned, Collins ha- had the chance, seemed seem to be the guy, but hasn't hasn't done much of anything um, over the past couple of weeks. And then you know, you're throwing Peterson in there. I, I mean, does he change much? I, I don't think so. I think it, you know, they were they were kind of. Uh, fading away, so to speak, uh, before that. I think now it's just um, you add, you know, Rashad Penny coming back when he gets, you know, if he's if he gets healthy ever. Um, Homer coming back, you're you're looking at a at a, at a handful of guys who um, you you just can't you you don't know what's going to happen with any of them. I mean, um, 
I, I think they're they're just it's sort of a uh, somewhere that I don't want to be in the mix of of those type of running backs. I think uh, if it were me, I'd rather look for for some backups that you know with the injuries sort of may may be able to come in. I mean Jared Patterson in in Washington, or uh, I think they mentioned Smallwoods over there that take over from McKissick. Uh, and then even you know Jamar Jefferson with with Detroit, it's it's something where I would much rather look towards those guys uh, than try to figure out this Seattle backfield as well as just kind of the team in general. I think I think that's an answer that everyone in fantasy football would agree with you. I think you've got ninety percent support rate on that, and everybody else everybody else either lives in Seattle or is related to some of the backfield, which they could be because I mean it's a big backfield. But I'm going to double down with Seattle. I'm I'm going to ask you to step up and tell me if I, on my one team that managed to get into the playoffs with DK Metcalf on the roster, should I throw in the towel? Should I give up if I've got anything? It it, it you know I've got other players on my roster there. They're they're nowhere near going to touch what my aspirations and expectations were for DK Metcalf. But I watched him against uh, Washington Football Club, and I think, well, you know, if I can't throw the ball to him, I'm going to use him in a jet sweep. I'm going to put. It was just nothing, uh, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think he ended up with one, maybe two catches. Okay, so there's my question: DK Metcalf is he still in one of your lineups? And even if you don't have him, advise the listeners as what you would do with him. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's somebody. I mean, it's DK Metcalf. I mean, it's hard to to think mm. about benching somebody like that, but um, it, it's understandable given given sort of the way he's uh, been used uh, recently. You know, and and I think I think it it just it, it is something that speaks of sort of how Seattle is is being run so far. I mean, um, it, it was Lockett who was who was getting the air yards uh, last week uh, against Washington, um, but you know earlier in the season it was Metcalf who was you know before Russell Wilson got injured or even when Geno Smith was there, and you know so so I see it as as sort of he, he's he's volatile. He's volatile like Lockett is. We already know Lockett's a roller coaster of a of a, a wide receiver there. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I look at Metcalf and uh is is he gonna be the same type of player now? <laughs> at least at least in, in this season. I think I think it's hard though to, to to bench him because of the upside when, you know, you look at the talent um and and then the the chance to have that upside, it's just it's hard to kind of sit that because you know you go off of last week and, and you sit him and then this week and I don't know who they're playing this week but um, I imagine if there's a get right game coming out of uh, a, a one catch performance it, it may be this week or, or next week and it's something where it's a you can hang on to him if, yeah well it's the Niners so um, <clears throat> they're they got a decent defense although I think some of their players are injured so um yeah. I would be I would be I would be, be hard pressed to, to sit DK Metcalf. I just don't know who you would play over him um, if you've got that type of talent on your roster. Um, then and and that's why you made it the playoffs. Then I think you, you do sit him. But for most people, it's probably going to be something where you have to play him and kind of hope for the best um, in terms of Wilson, you know, coming back around and then uh, really targeting Metcalf in a way that he hasn't so far. Mark, um, Rashad Bateman, you, this is a guy that started off slow. He's come on in Baltimore. Um, I, why should high-stakes owners or should high-stakes owners be bullish on, on this guy's uh, upcoming performances for the remainder of the season? How do you feel about Bateman right now? Uh, you know, I, I like Bateman. Um, you know, he, he's underwhelmed so far in the last couple of weeks, but I think uh, if anybody's watched the Ravens, I think everybody has, uh, especially, you know, since uh, when Jackson got sick uh, and was out a couple of weeks ago. But there's a reason why he was he was talked about highly uh, coming into the season before draft, uh, before he got injured in terms of uh, what he could bring to, to that Baltimore offense. Um, I know that I was one that I tried to target him in, in, in my leagues, uh, a, a number of my other teams, including the ones that I have it, that are also in the playoffs. 
uh, I'm starting him. Um, you know, there, there's something about somewhere. I know that they're a run-heavy defense, but our offense, but um, somebody's got to compliment Brown and Andrews. Um, Watkins isn't isn't that guy. I don't think Duvernay uh, is okay, but I think Bateman is, is the guy. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, he he's a rookie. He's gonna he's gonna you know uh, take time, and 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 you know we're looking something like Jamar Chase where he was going off and then all of a sudden he's gone quiet. Um, but it doesn't mean that he can't just kind of uh, come back on strong. And, and so is Bateman a Jamar Chase or is, is Baltimore or Cincinnati? No, but, um, you know, again, like, like with Metcalf, if the, if the opportunity and, and the talent are there, it's just you just need that one breakout game or, or that one chance where uh, I think if he catches a touchdown or two here or there in the last couple of weeks, people will be singing a different tune in terms of, uh, talking about Bateman being uh, a, a good guy to use coming down the down the line uh, in, in sort of a flex spot. So I like Bateman. I think people should be bullish on him. I, I mean, if he's if he's out there, uh, I, I would I would pick him up, and I would I wouldn't be afraid to use him uh, over some of these other guys. And you know what? He's got a quarterback that threw four picks last week and was still out there spinning it. So, you know, you, you got to love it. They're, they're going to do its quarterback exactly what they're going to do. You know, waiver wires are pretty thin this week. There was still some value there. I looked at, as typically you would happen, where I where I, I didn't make the playoffs, I looked at the waiver wire and I see players that were attractive to me and where I made the playoffs just seemed to be just a vast desert of unfulfilled potential. So is there anyone that you went hard for in this week uh, 13 and, and maybe uh, you don't want to tip your hand because we do have, we do have uh, waiver wires forthcoming over the next two weeks, but can you tell us anybody that, that you think you picked up this week that uh, is going to be a difference maker or at least you'll have ready in case you need it? Well, um, well, I mean, as we talked about before, I I went hard on the defenses. Um, so so those are who I who I targeted this week because um, I didn't see a lot on the waiver wire, um, at least in my fifth place team. But you know, there there were there were a couple I think that um, I, I I would have gone after had I needed sort of you know to use Foster Moreau for a week or uh, try to pick up a doula. Uh, the regular guys that I think everybody went after that, you know, you probably had to throw up a lot of money for. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think one guy that, that I, I, you know, wasn't available in my leagues, I think I picked him up a couple weeks ago, but uh, Matt Breida out of Buffalo. There you go. You know, has, has certainly um, changed the script in terms of uh, kind of pushing Zach Moss out. And, um, you know, Buffalo's never committed to, to Devin Singletary. And, and so uh, he certainly looks like a guy that um, it'll be interesting to watch what he does down the stretch. I, you know, again, I don't have him on, on uh, my teams. I think maybe one or two here that I tried to pick him up, but he was already picked up. So people obviously knew, knew faster than me uh, about him. But that would be somebody that, I, that if, if he were available, I would have gone really hard on him. Because I think um, you know you you always wanted to have a piece of Buffalo, I think, and and certainly um, if Matt Breida starts becoming the guy, people are going to be happy that they picked him up. A piece of Buffalo, I love it. Let me ask you this real quick. Uh, you said you you went hard on defenses. How many defenses are you carrying? Uh, so I so I have the four in in this league. Uh, you said or, four or on this team. Yeah, four defenses. Um, Four yeah. Bonky, and then have on you ever heard a man more suited to play in the KFFSC other than Mark? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's four four defenses the man has. I am very impressed, sir. Good job. I, and and I, well, that is, uh, and I will say this too: if there's anybody who could enter the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship and dominate right away, it is our defense expert, Mark Fisher, uh, for sure, to be able to uh, to ascertain. <laughs> Um, the uh, the proper defense to play on any given week to go with his already stellar starting lineup. You are set up for success in the KFFSC should you decide to choose to enter that. All right, let's get to uh, a couple of emails here for you, Mark, from listeners. First one is from Paul in Gardena, California. 
He says, how do you feel about Gabriel Davis the rest of the way? Paul, thank you for the email. Thanks for listening. Gabriel Davis, part of an elite offense that maybe hasn't been performing so elite lately. But what about Gabriel Davis as a potential flex guy the rest of the way? Is there any juice there? Is there any, um, um, anything that you like about being able to start Gabriel Davis or, or maybe just roster him to see what happens? I, I mean, I, you know, I certainly uh, would have wanted to see Gabriel Davis uh, come on uh, this season. But I think after they picked up Emmanuel Sanders, um, I, I, I haven't seen much of, uh, uh, from him. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's been Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, um, Knox. I mean, I, I, I don't know where Gabriel Davis even is in, in terms of his numbers. But, um, you know, certainly, again, like, like I just mentioned, anybody who's, who plays for Buffalo has an opportunity. Uh, but, you know, is he, is he anything that, that um, is going to do anything? I I, I I wouldn't count on it, but, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he could do something. Um, but, I, but I look at the other guys that are on the team, and I think they're, they're well ahead of them in terms of the depth chart. So um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything on, on my team for him. Uh, one other one, Mark. This is Ray in Scranton, PA. He writes, uh, what's up, Mark? Is Daryl Henderson worth the wait on Sunday afternoon? I have to either play him then or Tevin Coleman in the early game. Congrats on the regular season finish. That is Ray in Scranton, yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. Um, when you look at, at the situation brewing here for, for Ray's team, so Daryl Henderson has a 425 game this week against Jacksonville. It's a good matchup. And as far as I can tell, um, when I looked at the, um, the, the um, practice reports um, for uh, Henderson this week, you know, I, I kind of I – don't, I don't know if I can glean anything from it, right? I mean, Henderson – uh, listed as questionable, um, limited in Friday's practice, um, I, I would think that he's trending in the right direction, but you're also risking a zero because if his only other option is Tevin Coleman, Coleman plays in the 1 o'clock game. So how would you handle this uh, if this were your team, Mark? Well, I mean, it is my team. I mean, I do have Henderson uh, in, in my flex spot, so – um, I certainly am, am kind of doing, doing the same thing that I'm doing with Boston Scott. Uh, I, I got to look and see, um, you know, what, what reports are coming out tomorrow. Um, you know, once we get to, to, to Sunday morning, uh, see if I can glean anything. I, I'm, I'm more of a risk-averse guy. So if, if you know, Kevin Coleman, um, we just talked about he's playing against the Eagles. I I mean, it's, it's, I, I may – I don't know. That would be tough. I mean, it, I, I really have to see, though. I think if it sounds like Henderson's going to play and there's, there's a chance he plays even if he's uh, not 100% and, and they, they lean on Michelle Moore, um, I probably would still want to do that. But, again, uh, being a risk-adverse guy, if I hear anything where, where it seems to be an indication that he's going to uh, not – not play or not suit up, and I, and I only have a choice at 1 o'clock, I, I'm going to go with Tevin Coleman. And, um, you know, I may be kicking myself later, but um, <laughs> it, it, it worries me when – The old Tevin Coleman self-regulated kick. Yeah, it, it happens. So <laughs> let me ask you this. Being a risk-averse guy, you probably are the best suited guy to answer this question. There's not a lot of sleepers out there, but we'd like you to find one for us. And, we really want him to be a sleeper, uh, and, and we talked about a lot of guys that might fill that role, but I want to know who the best sleeper is if you could get into your lineup this weekend. And then is there a stud? Perhaps it was Ezekiel Elliott who turned in uh, a, a six-point performance this week. Is there a stud that you can say, I counted on him all year, but I just can't count on him this weekend? We talked about Metcalf. Is there anyone else out there that you would like to alert the listeners to uh, to avoid in their lineups this weekend? Uh, yeah, so um, the the stud question, I, I don't know that uh, I would necessarily avoid this person, but, um, you know, a guy that I, that I am a, a little bit more concerned about uh, than his performances have been is uh, Jalen Waddell out of Miami. Um, I mean, he went off last week and, and I think, you know, people that have been 
using him. I think he's, you know, he, he's up to wide receiver 14 or something like that, like really high up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but my concern is that when, uh, if Devontae Parker comes back, um, you know, it's, it, obviously it's not Waddle. He's, he's been, he's been great, but uh, his usage is, has dramatically changed when, when Parker's been in the lineup versus when he's out. Um, I mean, the last time that they played together on, on Halloween on the 31st um, or, or somewhere around there, uh, Waddle had uh, four receptions for 29 yards. Um, the game before that, he had three receptions for 33 yards. Uh, so, you know, not putting up nearly the numbers he had when, when Parker's been out, I mean, 70 yards, 83, uh, 65. And then of course, last week, 137. So, um, it's not, not necessarily that I would bench him, but I I would definitely temper my expectations and, and kind of, uh, you know, really see if, if Parker does play kind of how that changes the, the, uh, the dynamic for Waddle in terms of his usage, um, and, and, you know, him putting up the numbers that he's been putting up uh, since Parker's been out. Um, and then on the other end, though, the sleeper that I think that uh, may not no longer uh, be considered a, a sleeper or may be considered a sleeper, um, Javante Williams out of Denver with, with Melvin Gordon not playing. Uh, I think mm-hmm. this is a, a great opportunity for him um, in, in terms to, to show sort of what, what people want in terms of when they drafted him, um, having the backfield potentially to himself, playing against the Chiefs, so, so being able to use both in the passing game, I think, as well as in the rushing game, uh, even though that the Chiefs have been better as of late on their defense. Um, but then also uh, just getting by him, uh, I, I like Deshaun Jackson out of uh, yeah. Las Vegas. Um, I mean, we saw we saw him him post a, a game last week uh, on on Thanksgiving uh, against the Cowboys, but uh, you know, and then this week, I mean, they they've needed somebody. The Raiders need somebody since, uh, unfortunately, uh, the unfortunate events with Henry Ruggs have, have left him sort of out. So they need a deep threat. Um, with Waller gone uh, this week, it, it you know I could see them. Uh, you know, Carr potentially throwing deep. I mean, again, we saw what Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett were able to do to Washington um, last week, and, and we know how that offense is going. So if you're able to put, you know, Derek Carr out there and, and throw a couple balls deep to Deshaun Jackson, um, I could see him repeating sort of what he did last week and people being very happy that uh, they rolled with him uh, rather than somebody else that, uh, you know, you had mentioned uh, a Van Jefferson earlier in the, in, in the, the broadcast. Um, you know, he Van Jefferson, somebody that I would probably play uh, Deshaun Jackson over, just hoping that uh, he gets what, what I think he, he can potentially have. So that would be the guy that I would call the, the, the sleeper of the week um, in terms of uh, somebody who he could potentially get some points from that, that you wouldn't expect. Gotcha. Big play Deshaun Jackson, always always a fun sleeper uh, for sure. Um, one final question we have for you, uh, just real quick, Mark. This comes from the chat room. Uh, Professor, Professor Hudson-Reeve, he wants to know if you think Kyler Murray is going to play this week. Um, it, it's interesting because they are in the one o'clock. You know, normally Kyler Murray is playing in these, you know, 405s and 425 games. Four. He's actually playing in the one o'clock game this week. Um, Ian Rappaport said earlier this week that Murray would play. But Cliff Kingsbury today said that Murray would be a game-day decision. Mark, what's your gut telling you? Is Kyler Murray going to be out there on Sunday? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, I heard that he's, you know, that they said that he's truly a game-time decision. Um, but there's also been reports that, that he is going to play. I, I am going to go under the assumption that he's going to play um, because that's sort of what I'm hoping for. Um, and, and so I, I don't know that there's any, I, I mean, I, I won't be able to give anything that, that other people can't read, uh, because I don't, I, unfortunately I don't have any insider information on the Cardinals, but, um, hopefully he does play. I think, you know, he's been sorely missed for the Cardinals and for, for many fantasy players. I I've got him, uh, on a couple of my teams that, that I could really use him this week. So, um, I'm hoping Murray plays. I've got I've got one where I've got uh, Kyler Murray and and uh, Kirk Cousins, um, and so I'm trying to decide between those two. Um, 
because of the, the nice matchup that Cousins has. So, um, but yeah, I, I would say that uh, I, I would I would say that he he, sh- he should play, or he hopefully he will play, um, and and sort of he's he's that game time decision, but will come out with no no setbacks tomorrow or Sunday morning. And a guy who's hoping that there are no setbacks in his lineups and his scores from here on out is indeed the fifth place finisher in the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship regular season. He is Mark Fisher. Good enough to join us on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour this week. Mark, thanks so much for your insight. We appreciate you uh, dropping some knowledge on us tonight. Good luck uh, the rest of the way. Hopefully the ball bounces your way, and and maybe you'll be cashing a big-time check when this is all said and done at the end of the month. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping, right, is that uh, the things fall my way and I get Debo Samuel back right on time week 15 and, and I can see uh, hopefully my team rise up the ranks even more. Keep pushing, Mark. All right. Thank you, Thank guys. Thank you, Mark. Have a great night. Thanks so All much. Right. You too. Mark Have a good weekend, ladies and gentlemen. The, yes, you as well. Mark Fisher, the fifth-place team in the Football Guys Players Championship uh, as the regular season has come to a, the close, uh, to a close, and we have the uh, league playoffs going on both this weekend and next weekend before that big sprint starts uh, coming up. So, Farrell, good stuff from Mark there. I can't remember yeah. a team that, uh, that, you know, this high up on the draft board rostering four defenses, but if there's one guy capable of pulling it off, uh, after talking with Mark, it certainly seems like he could be that guy. He's got a plan. And, you know, he's – I think he carefully goes the, – the Deshaun Jackson gives me a clue that he very, very carefully goes about putting the lineup together. He's talking about Deshaun Jackson. He says he would bench Metcalf and play somebody over him, and, and even though it's a hard move to make – I got to figure that when you line up against Mark, you're going to get real close to the perfect lineup every time. Something that I certainly didn't master this year. It sounds like he does very well with it. Um, Let's get to some emails, some uh, people that are going to try to help us uh, put their perfect lineup together this week. And it starts with Art in Westland, Michigan. Hey, guys, is Derek Carr the better play over Russell Wilson this weekend? Farrell, I, I think I know where you uh, fall in on this. I certainly am not seeing anything that gives me any kind of confidence um, in, in the Seattle passing attack right now. Um, I was talking with Hudson in the chat room. I said, you know, I think Metcalf has a good bounce back week. You know, they, they said in the postgame presser that, that, you know, they need to get him the ball and, and you know, to, to not really target him until the game was basically almost over is, is almost unheard of. So I, I do think he has a nice game. But even without Darren Waller, I'm still going to roll with Derek Carr this week. I think Foster, you, you talked about Foster Moreau at the top of the show. He's going to have a good game this week. Deshaun Jackson was a favorite uh, for our guest tonight, Mark Fisher. So I'm going to roll with Derek Carr over Russell Wilson. How do you fall in on this? Me too. He's got trusty Renfro that should have a big game. Uh, if you put together sort of what Samuel and um, what Humphreys – and what Carter did, you can see that from that slot position, uh, Washington team is is very susceptible to numbers. Derek Carr is your quarterback over Wilson this weekend. Um, let's talk about uh, Howard in Chicago's email. Howard writes, would you roll with Boston Scott or Matt Breida on Sunday, fellas? Love everything you do on this pod. That is Howard in Chicago. So we did talk a little bit about Boston Scott earlier. Um, I, I don't think mm-hmm. he practiced again today, but it's, it's a non-COVID mm-hmm. illness. Um, so I guess for me, Farrell, Buffalo offense is really good, and it seems like they're riding Matt Breida more than Zach Moss, who was a healthy scratch last week, and, and Devin Singletary. Right. So I think I'm going to go Breida here over Boston Scott. We can go back to the weather report, too. It suggests a short passing game and a quick rushing attack. 27 touches for Breida so far. 176 yards, three TDs. I think this is going to become a trend in the league that players like Breida and Hilliard, who have fresh legs and can come in and jumpstart an offense at a position where other guys are struggling, it will be something that we'll see across the league. And I think next year when we go into fantasy, uh, when we go into fab budgets, people are going to even be more reluctant to spend that money early as they save to see what players emerge in the double-digit weeks. 
Yeah, and it's really crazy, you know, what, what I've been able to get um, on the waiver wire the last couple of weeks, um, just really cheap guys because either, you know, teams are out of it or, or nobody has any money left. So it's, it's been great for me, uh, but there is something to be said for that. That's something we will definitely explore as the uh, offseason gets underway here within the next couple of months. Um, moving on, Bruce and Houston, should I roll with Rashad Bateman in Pittsburgh or Cole Beasley against the Pats on Monday night? We talked with... Uh, with our guest tonight, Mark Fisher, who has Rashad Bateman in a lot of spots on his football guys teams and his FFPC teams. Um, I think I probably would play him. I mean, it's close between him and Beasley, uh, but I think I probably would roll with Bateman over Beasley this week in week 13, Farrell. In fantasy ball, you always say, well, I want to play the player that gives me the highest upside that gives me the points. That's Bateman. If you think you've got a great lineup and we're moving into a weekend where 12 or 15 points is going to deliver the win for you, you need a solid performance, that's Beasley. Again, perhaps weather-related, guy that catches the ball close to the line and runs with the ball well after he catches it. He's had a string of down games, too. This could be the time where he bounces back. And the final, do I think, I think we just got one more email. Yeah, one uh, email, John in Pensacola, Florida. He writes, Dear Balky and Farrell, who is the correct tight end named Tyler for week 13? Conklin mm. or Higby? So he's got a Tyler conundrum at tight ends here. And if you look at um, the, these players this week in, in their matchup, Higby is at home against the Jaguars, and Conklin is on the road in Detroit. Farrell, I'm kind of at a loss on this one. Uh, this is one of those things where if you ask me uh, today, I might change my mind tomorrow. Right now, I'm leaning mm-hmm. towards Higby. What do you think about that? Uh, who who would it be for you, Higby or Conklin? I want to try to get you to lean the other way, Balky, because Tyler Higby has worn my patience. And if you look at the stats for this season, these players, Conklin came on much later as a contributor. Both of them have similar number of catches, similar touchdowns. Conklin has been a very, very beneficial a tool for the Vikings around the goal line. Conklin still seems to get consistent targets and and uh, red zone uh, opportunities on a team that is loaded with talent uh, in the wide receiver world. And you take a look at what's happening in Los Angeles, and I think it's a product that the, that the quarterback – we all assumed, especially after Higby's year last year and the natural relationship that Stafford had with Hawkinson, we all assumed that Higby and Stafford would step right back into that. It never has looked like it's clicked. And in Los Angeles, this is the perfect game for what I'm always talking about. What bothers me about the Rams coaching staff is that they take their foot off the gas. I think they're going to get ahead in this game and do the same thing again, uh, they'll be comfortable winning by 10 or 12 points and, and scoring only 25 to 30 to do it. I just don't see a big game for Higby and a potential game for Conklin. Um, it's just part of a very powerful offense and a good matchup against the Lions. Uh, I think you have successfully convinced me. I'm going to go with Conklin uh, and sort of yeah. make it a clean sweep. And easy on John in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, so go with Conklin over Higby. Uh, Farrell, appreciate not only your insight into that, but all of the uh, advice and, and, um, and everything you've shared uh, tonight on the broadcast with both myself and, and Mark Fisher. Be good, and uh, hopefully the ball bounces your way in the FFPC this weekend. We'll do this again next Friday, man. See you then, Bobby, and thank you. Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. A fun contest. Hopefully you can be a part of that next year. Can't wait to, uh, to get those drafts underway coming up in January. We'll have FFPC drafts going on in January, too. Drafting season, it's just around the corner. But we've got to uh, settle this, uh, this season up yet first. And uh, hopefully we helped you set some lineups and, and make some roster decisions tonight in the correct way. You never know until the ball um, you know, gets, gets sprayed around the field on Sunday. But hopefully the ball bounces your way this week. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Mark Fisher. Thanks to Farrell Elliott. Thanks to the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you setting some time aside to listen to the program this evening or whenever you're downloading it, streaming it. 800,000 uh, downloads. Wow, that is awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Remember to listen to the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown with Larry Weinauer. That's rotoviz.com slash podcast. 
We will be back next Friday at 10, 9 Central for a big Week 14 preview. Good luck in Week 13, uh, both in the FFPC, the, uh, the KFFSE, and quite frankly, the Football Guys Players Championship and any of your private leagues, anywhere you're playing. Uh, it's a fun time of year. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Some stuff from uh, from Mark Fisher tonight, and hopefully um, you took his words to heart. And I'll tell you what, I I, I root for everybody on this show, obviously, as, as the inside joke is. But man, how cool would it be for somebody to take home a five hundred thousand dollar grand prize, rostering four defenses on that squad? It would be a tremendous story. And Mark Fisher is only four spots away and a few weeks away from pulling it off. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, appreciate uh, each and every one of, uh, of you for, for making some time and your schedule to listen to the show. We'll keep churning them out uh, if you keep listening. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend.